Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and this week I am joined by Alex Light, a journalist and content creator who really specialises in writing about body image and fighting diet culture. All the things we love to talk about on the Train Happy podcast. So Alex and I had never actually met in person before. This is our first proper conversation, but I've been a big fan of Alex's work for a long time. And we just really clicked in this conversation and we're very much on the same wavelength. So I really think you're just going to enjoy this chat. We got into how Alex uses her skills as a journalist to deep dive on body image and and how the media has really impacted the way we feel about our bodies today. We also talk about Alex's own experience with eating disorder recovery and touch on how to navigate conversations around weight and diet talk with friends and family. We covered so much in this episode. It really felt like I'd been chatting to an old friend, even though this was our first time, you know, properly chatting. So I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. But before we get into it, it's time to hear from you. It is time for Train Happy Trooper of the Week. This week's Train Happy Moment comes from listener Brenna, who got in touch via email. And Brenna says, Hi Tally and the Train Happy Podcast. Just wanted to share my Train Happy Moment from today. I have been wanting to try your dance party workouts for a while now, but have been holding back. I think because of past experience with very diet culture dance workouts. I finally tried it this morning and oh my goodness I was smiling ear to ear the entire time. I had the best time dancing along and just fully embraced the fun and silliness. Even with the forms of movement I do love normally, I don't often find myself smiling the entire time. I'm so glad I tried something new and can't wait to try the other dance party workouts. Thank you so much for putting such great resources out there for people. Brenna, thank you so much for getting in touch and sharing your experiences with the dance party workouts. I'm so glad you're enjoying them. And one thing I really want to highlight that Brenna said is that she embraced the fun and silliness. And yes, I think sometimes we take exercise too seriously and we need more play. And I think dance in particular, especially just when you're moving your body to music, like it really does help you connect to that childlike version of yourself who can just let go and with all the heavy seriousness of life right now just putting some music on dancing around and just feeling a bit silly and just kind of yeah just literally shaking it off as Taylor Swift would say is wonderful so thank you Brenna for sharing that and reminding us to just yeah just be silly I think that's the motto of this week If you would like to share your train happy moment with the podcast listeners, then please do get in touch. I love hearing from you. Email us trainhappypodcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at trainhappypodcast and definitely go follow us on there too. 
All right, let's get into this week's conversation with the wonderful Alex. Alex, welcome to the Train Happy Podcast. I'm so happy we're finally getting to do this. Um, How are you? How have you been? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I'm so excited to do this with you. I'm really excited to, and thank you for having me. Um, But yeah, I've been good. I'm really excited about the lifting of restrictions. I feel like we feel very trapped and I'm just so excited for things to get to get to some kind of semblance of normality back in our lives. I'm really looking forward to it. The day this comes out will be the, the 12th. So that's the day that ah, restrictions are lifting. Sort amazing, of. We can like do more things and like we're both saying before this, go and get our hair cut. Oh, get my nails dying. done yeah I can't wait to get my nails done I'm so excited yeah just to have that kind of oh just to feel like we're coming out into spring and summer and don't know just I'm excited I mean I know on a slight tangent here before we really get into it but I think I'm so I'm really excited to have my hair done to get dressed up for things to make an effort again and I think um I think with that there's a lot of sometimes I don't know like talk I you and I both talk a lot online about like beauty standards and body standards and how we shouldn't feel pressure to like diet for the these um restrictions being lifted and that we can turn up in June in the body that we have right now like that's okay we don't have to change our bodies but at the same time I am really excited about the idea of wearing cute outfits again, putting makeup on and, do you know what I mean, getting a bit glam. And I think sometimes when people say that, like, you're not going to conform to those, you know, those standards that you're not allowed to wear makeup. But I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think... I think this is a really interesting one and it's a question that I come up against quite a lot Mm. and I think what you said there um, is at the root of it like you're excited about it so I think it's really important like your why like your reasoning for doing it like are you doing it so that you look a certain way and you feel like you're conforming to beauty standards or are you doing it because you really love it like someone said to me but you know it doesn't wearing makeup go against your message I was like wearing makeup is one of the things that brings genuine joy to my life you know like the whole Mary Kondo like does it spark joy like makeup is just wonderful to me it's it's therapeutic it like taps into my creative side and like I would be absolutely gutted if I could never wear makeup again it brings just it brings so much to my life and I think I think that's the real difference then it's like why are you doing it and working out why you're doing it and if you're doing it for you then you you do whatever you want and it's the same with like people who want to change their body like I I always say like I'm not against I'm not saying you could never lose weight I'm not against weight loss you can't change your body like you do what works for you but Mm. I just don't want women to be slaves to the diet to you know to diet culture and to these standards that have been forced upon us because that's that doesn't bring any joy to our lives you know that's not that's not giving us anything it's just taking away from our lives um so I think that's the difference if that makes sense I completely agree because I think 
and you know a wider conversation or you know around that is I I get some some pushback against like well are you shaming people who this came up on a live I did the other day are you shaming people who want to diet or who do choose to pursue weight loss and I really hope I'm not shaming anyone and I don't think I ever directly shame people I do get that if people feel uncomfortable around the topics we're discussing I don't necessarily think that that is in the messaging itself but rather that's a slight trigger for you or like a oh yeah. this is this is touching on a topic that I don't you know oh it's challenging a few of my core beliefs or values and I think that's yeah where that sense of shame might come from but I don't know if you've had a similar Definitely. similar commentary yeah for sure and I often comment on you know the the um, depiction of, of, of weight loss in the media so Adele for example lost mm. a lot of weight and it made global headlines in the middle of a pandemic the pandemic it was like probably like the number one news story and I, I really wanted to get across that like there is no judgment on Adele for losing weight. A woman can do whatever she wants with her body. That's she, you know, you have full body autonomy and you do what you want to do. But my issue with that was the way that it was just absolutely, her weight loss was glorified and the effect that that glorification of weight loss was going to have on so many people and all different generations and different you know, men and women, women and men, I I should say, because it affects women mostly, but it was yeah so, so that was my commentary on that but a, a lot of people took it as like well you're shaming Adele for losing weight it's like it's very very different you know I just think mm. and and the same goes for like commenting on, on people who have lost weight you know commenting on weight loss and complimenting it you know I'm really against that uh, you know just that stock sort of comment of like you look amazing you've lost weight you look amazing like I just think that's so damaging but it's not a judgment. It's not a passing judgment at all on the person who's lost weight because we're allowed to do whatever we want with our body. But I just feel like we can we can arm ourselves with knowledge around why we want to lose weight. And I think the why will lead us to like whether we actually want to or not. It's not about, yeah, it's not about the weight loss. It's about the way we treat people who have lost weight. I think that's what this, right. this discussion is. Right, before we crack on with conversation, because I feel like we can just really get into it. Um, For those who are new to you, Alex, like I'd love you to just tell us a little bit about your story, your background, and how you came to write and work in like the body image space. Yes, so I am a journalist and I worked at Hello Magazine for the best part of a decade um, before I ended up doing this um, Instagram, you know, content creator, influencer, whatever you want to call that. I still struggle with finding the right name for it um, before I was doing this full time. So I was writing about predominantly fashion and beauty and celebrities and I loved it. I really loved it. But for most of that period, I was really in the depths of an eating disorder, an eating disorder that's had, you know, lots of different looks. It's kind of morphed um, as time went on, but I was really not in a good place. And as I slowly began to recover from the eating disorder, I began to sort of gain an understanding of diet culture, what it was, why it existed, and 
some of the reasons behind me hating my body, which was a huge contributing factor to, to me having an eating disorder. I know eating disorders are extremely complex um, and there's a, a lot of factors that go into it, but me hating my body because as a result of diet culture was um, a, a real contributing factor to my eating disorder. So I just started to speak about it more and more. And I feel like, the more that I learned about it, about diet culture, the kind of the more I began to hate it and hate it for all the other women who were in the trenches of it, as I had been. And I just I just became super passionate about it. And I eventually ended up yeah, doing this full time because it kind of got to a point as well where it was. There was a bit of a um, juxtaposition with, with what I was speaking about online and then what I was doing in my job. Um, as well where I was still sort of still sort of kind of not in diet culture but definitely perpetuating it slightly and it just it was at odds with what I was doing so I'm really happy now that I do this full time and I am a freelance journalist as well so I get to you know write about um, yeah write about the the subjects I really really am passionate about now and care about in a nutshell yeah (laughs) I think it is so interesting about being at like hello magazine and I know that people all over the world and I'm sure actually everyone's probably heard of hello magazine but it was very it's very much like a celebrity style um magazine where it's you know like a photo shoot with like Beckham's or I don't know like the celebrity and um lots of royal gossip in there as well and all sorts like yeah it is interesting that a lot of those magazines definitely do perpetuate diet culture definitely do perpetuate like the beauty standards and and I don't know have you have you found that since you've kind of in your own experience your own recovery shared that online and and raised these conversations online that any of your kind of journalist friends are like huh I'm in a bit of a moral dilemma here do you know what I've I've kind of been wary of talking about it online because like hello magazine was an amazing experience for me I had the best time there and I made really good friends there and and it was a company that was really good to me so I feel um I feel awkward I suppose about having that conversation in a public forum um and it it wasn't anything I mean they were you know they weren't sort of it was it was nothing overt as far as diet culture goes Mm -hmm. but those magazines do uphold the you know the the cornerstones of diet culture they do that's you know that's just a fact it's undeniable and I was just becoming more and more uncomfortable and more aware that there was a bit of a cognitive dissonance with what I was what with what I believed and what I was doing um but yeah those and I, I do think that those you know the magazines that we've grown up with they're changing and they're definitely getting on board with this with the new conversation and coming around to diversity and body diversity and really that's that's starting to be reflected within their content um I still think we've got a a a good way to go but it's definitely so much better than it used to be I don't know if you sometimes I share the you know shape magazine Mm. that had the most terrible covers on the front it would be like it would it was like lose you know 
your standard magazine headlines like lose seven pounds in a week and drop two dress sizes and get lean thighs and get rid of the arm jiggle you know all all of that stuff just like crazy like blatant stuff Mm. um so it's much better now it's much and there's it's a lot more subtle and people you know the the magazine industry is definitely is definitely catching on to this new conversation because I feel like I feel like it's amazing that um with social media we are able now to like steer the narrative and drive the narrative and create our own content and I think that's been really really powerful and magazines have had to sit back and or, or sit up and take notice of that so I think it's been amazing definitely one of the kind of highlights of when my book came out when I was doing um press for that I got to do an interview with Heat magazine and I was pleasantly surprised because when I was about 14 15 years old I was an avid Heat magazine reader it came out on a Tuesday I used to buy every Tuesday take it into my um tutor group and all the girls in my class we'd sit around pour over the pages and that was in the days of like circle of shame and circle of shame all that stuff. oh my god um and all those things and I like I I I like I kind of you know like will forever stay in my mind like I remember it was desperate housewives era and it'd be like Terry Hatcher who was an extremely is a very thin woman and she'd have like yeah. skin folds at her armpit and they'd be like armpit fat and you know all that <laughs> kind of stuff and I that was that I at 14 15 years old like oh my goodness that the fact that that didn't have more of an effect on me right in that moment is really interesting but I'm sure it laid the foundations for how I viewed and felt about certain body image parts and you know I remember at my most disordered and my my leanest I remember I could easily pick out what would be called like circle of shame things like there's this one specific picture like selfie I took in the gym and I remember thinking great I finally look like those people right but there's a teeny bit of skin at my hip that I'm not happy with and I remember like being like oh that's ruined the whole photo and I can't believe like I ever zoomed in that much on myself like it's so interesting how yeah we kind of pick apart those selfies and I know girls are doing it now especially teenagers like I'm I worry about it so much I know I know and th- and that's the thing isn't it those like I, n- I never question that stuff in here either mm. I absolutely like I tore through that content because I was like oh god and it that must instill so much well it just instills the idea that women's bodies are supposed to have shame around them mm. and that we're supposed to be ashamed of our bodies because that's what it was you know well it's it's it does what it says on the tin circle of shame um but yeah the fact that it went unquestioned for so long but still now you know I I went on the daily mail yesterday someone sent me an article I looked at the sidebar and I was like it said like Rita Ora suffers a nip slip Mm. and I was like come on like is this really like the level of journalism that we're like reaching for come on like suffers a nip slip like it's a woman on a beach just leave it alone like leave her alone it's just yeah it's 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 crazy how women's bodies are just picked apart and I do believe that in years to come I don't know how long that will be people will look back and go 
can you believe that happened like like yeah you know <laughs> these articles were real like that actually happened but it just goes unquestioned like we just don't question it mm. um or at least we, well we, we do now but it did go unquestioned for so long and I think a lot of people don't question it because they haven't come across you know content like what we do or or you know content that goes against beauty standards and challenges it so yeah it's Absolutely. It's, a, it's a weird world one of the things I love about your content in particular is that you do use your um, skills, your journalistic, I don't know if that's even a word, but your journalism skills, shall we say, um, to really like trace back these narratives around certain um, beauty standards and, and body standards. And I find it fascinating when you, you know, you can go back and, and really research these things. I, I suppose what's the most interesting or surprising thing you've come across when you've been doing you know doing that work yeah so I I love doing these posts they're my favorite posts to do because I get to like flex that journalist muscle and really like go in depth and do my research um, and compile something um so on a selfish note like I really love doing them my favorite posts but I think I believe and I I don't know what what you think but I believe that it's really important to identify the things that shaped our belief systems around you know our bodies and ourselves because I think identifying them allows you to debunk them and then debunking them allows you to heal from them and get them out of your head for once and for all and I think I think there's been a lot of stuff you know like people like my mum often says but you know I didn't really you know, I wasn't subject to any like, you know, crazy messages or, you know, diet messages. I was like, it's so subtle and it's so covert and it's stuff that these tiny, like imperceptible things, you know, it's like the environment you grew up in, like your mom, how she looked at her body and talked about her body, like the way that, you know, the, all the, all the people around you, if you have sisters or cousins or everything and there's so much that goes into it and all of these all of these tiny like little imperceptible moments or you think are imperceptible moments make up a bigger picture then that has shaped your beliefs and what you feel and and about your body and the media is so guilty honestly there's been so many like crazy shocking moments that once I started to do those posts people started sending them to me and Mm. like I can't tell you like I've got a folder like so much stuff um but from Victoria Beckham and Jerry Halliwell being weighed on live tv yes um, yeah to a cheering audience and you know it was after was it after Victoria Beckham had a baby yeah yeah it was just after and like she was yeah I mean I don't want to say specific weights um for it you know in case it triggers anyone who's listening but like she was under a certain amount amount and the audience was cheering and Chris Evans was like you go girl and the fact that it was a guy doing it is so icky to me like so so icky awful but I know oh are you back to your pre-baby weight on tv I'm so glad that was like slight. I was just that little bit younger to not really take that in. But the other one that you, I remember vividly seeing that you posted about was Bridget Jones um, and the character of Bridget Jones, who was perceived to be, you know, quote, fat. She's a UK size 12, which is 
actually below the standard size in the UK, the average yeah. size. Like that's actually yeah. the average size. And I remember like in the book, but then in the movie in particular, she writes down her weight every day. And that's a real big concern of hers. Right. That is like, and I probably saw that early in my teens. And yeah, you just think, wow, that's a really clear message to send to women that this is a big Such... concern, especially in your adult life. This is still a big concern. Exactly. And the fact that we were supposed, the audience was supposed to perceive her as overweight. Mm. Like that was the message behind it, that she wasn't quite right. And that she needed to lose weight and it's something that needed to be fixed because she couldn't get a man or, you know, she wasn't successful or this or that. And in reality, that was, it's a really slim woman. Like her weight is, yeah, is like very slim, you know. And, but it's, it's the same with um, Martin McCutcheon as well in Love Actually. Yes. And there's loads of stuff in the movie. There's like, she says she's got like tree trunks for legs or like she's called Chubby, the chubby one. And in looking back at that as well, like she was a slim woman. Um, I watched that this Christmas just gone and it was it's so interesting when you I always say like when you take off the glasses of diet culture and then you watch things and you just realize how prevalent this stuff is it's yeah everywhere and that trope in that movie of her being like this and the way that the other woman talks about her it's just yeah the fact that once again she's probably a UK 12 um yeah it's shocking that that I don't know that like that was normal but I suppose that was like the supermodel skinny Kate Moss era that we grew up with you know like skinny jeans and ballet flats and thigh gaps like that's what we grew up with aspiring to have and be right but it's I mean and that's just like the tip of the iceberg with like fat phobia on tv Mm. it's it's absolutely rampant and still it is don't you think still is like oh whenever I absolutely. start a new series a new comedy series I'm like waiting for the fat joke and it's always there and it's like come on like is is this really funny like do we genuinely think that's funny because it doesn't amuse well it, you know it doesn't like I don't find it amusing in any way but it's also actively harming a group of people and further marginalizing a group of people that are already marginalized and it's like come on Mm. we can do better than that and it's just not funny and the same old tropes around oh well this person eats all the food and it's just like that's just not funny I'm curious because so my uh, partner Jack will sit with me and he like every time there's something on a show he now will point it out and be like that's fat phobic and he kind of says it in you know like a that's fat. They can't say that. That's fat phobia. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And he kind of holds his breath sometimes. Or if we're with people, like holds his breath and kind of looks at me like, is she gonna, is she gonna react? Is she gonna blow? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at the point now where I think, you know, you spoke about the anger earlier on. It's like the stages of grief of like, you get really, once you discover diet culture, you it's really um, frustrating and yeah frustrating it makes you super angry and there's yeah. a lot you know there will be things like I can't watch that I can't look at that I think I'm at the point now where it's gonna exist and I can view it not agree with it mm. and 
change you know want to change it in my own spaces but I can take it I can take it for what it is now if that makes sense yeah you know, like, yeah I don't have to, like change the channel I can watch it but I will just go well that's a load of you know I'll just like yeah yeah you know. exactly it's, it's kind yeah, of it's, it's you expect it don't you you expect it I just wonder um, how your partner feels about it because have you noticed that in your relationship there's had to be like this other education and I know I get a lot of questions about about this actually that there is a lot of I don't know expectation for your partner to come along for the ride too but obviously they're their own person I don't know what are your thoughts on this I uh, yeah I, I feel kind of guilty in a way with this one because I have been very lucky with Dave in that he just got it he, he already got it and he already knew and like I've never ever heard him make a remark about a woman's body he's never made a remark about mine from the start unless it was something you know nice or something like positive um he like he studied so so he studied sports science and nutrition but he was always he was always really against diet culture and mm. sort of really more took a, a more like holistic view and is, is against like, you know, all the like crap, like the nutritional myths and stuff. Mm. Um, and he, yeah, so I, I feel, I feel guilty and I don't really have any advice to people who are struggling with this because it's quite difficult because I was lucky with Dave. Um, but I mean, he makes, you know, with his mates, they like joke that they've put on weight and stuff. But I think he's very aware of the um, the pressures around women's bodies in, in particular. And he's just, you know, he's very much like, I want you to be happy. And whatever that means for your body size, that's where you'll that's where you'll be. And that's good. That's good. Mm. That's perfect. You know, um, but that can be in- really difficult. Does it, what I find interesting is like, similarly with with um, my partner, Jack, he can be, we've definitely grown into like the person I was when we first met versus the person I am now was a very different person. And, and my, my, lots of my values have changed. And we've certainly grown together in, in sense of, of how we view things because it's been an education like together. And I yeah. think for me, the yeah. biggest thing has been, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll when we go on if we're driving somewhere we always have like longer conversations so sometimes like so I want to talk about like health every size like can you just explain it to me or you know I I just want to understand what you're what you're about you know and and it's genuinely curious and interested and I always say to people like communication is key because I think like getting angry at someone for saying something or doing something is slightly unfair when they haven't had an opportunity and, and don't know themselves you know like yeah yeah you're getting angry at something like okay well if you communicate how you're feeling why this is important to you that's really important but what I'm interested in is Mm. how it happens in um because what I find is uh (laughs) Jack is particularly brilliant at diffusing public situations where I'm in a conversation with family in particular or I'm in a conversation with you know with friends and family or just in those dynamics and you know I want to you know recently someone asked me for diet advice and I kind of said like that's not something I feel comfortable with giving um and you know for whatever reason and he can step in and be like yeah because I've always just thought you know it's just all about you know finding your own balance and you know just enjoying a bit of everything that kind of thing he's brilliant at just interjecting those things and I just wondered if you had that experience or or what that's like for you 
Yeah, so Dave's quite, um, he's quite quiet. He's a fairly quiet person and non-confrontational. So he has his, his beliefs and he's firm in them, but he doesn't, um, he won't necessarily try and, mm-hmm. you know, but I guess, I, do you know what? I am, and this is something that I'm working on with myself, but I'm quite scared of confrontation as well. <laughs> so Same. I do find it difficult. Yeah, I do find it difficult. And when like we're in a group and something comes up that I know it is like totally against my beliefs and like I would love to like stand up for myself, not for, well, for myself or, or yeah, and, and say something, but um, I get quite scared to do so. So I often let stuff slide, which I know isn't right and I'm working on it, but um I find that really, really difficult to do. I find it really hard. Um, but yeah, so I guess we're more quiet in that sense. Mm. I think that's um, really human though. I think there's so many situations. Some people will say to me, and I re- I did do a post about it recently because I, someone, had, I've been asked it quite a lot. Like, what do I say when someone says this? And I thought, well, what do I say when someone says this? I'm like, sometimes I don't know what to, I don't know what to say. It's hard. I'm, sometimes it's I'm hard. really caught off guard and I'm like, uh, I don't know. And I don't think I always get it right either. And I, I think yeah. it's important to acknowledge that. Like there's not an, there's not a perfect way to handle certain situations. I think you have to do what feels right for you, but you're right. There are times when, you know, people may say certain things and, and like, you know, that's not right, but it depends on like, who's in that situation you know there was a time there was right. a time when um this is a few years ago now and Jack and I were um at a wedding but it was a, a like a work wedding and his big bosses were there as well and we'd all gone right. to you know have this experience and we got chatting with everyone and there's people there it's like a, it's, it's you know it's quite like a it was a it was a very uh be there for your you know I was very much a plus one who was there to support Jack and make a really good impression to his colleagues okay and it came up around people doing juice cleanses okay. and someone had said I, I've been on a juice cleanse retreat I did this like yeah oh I've done one and then people chip in it's a small group of people it's probably eight of us and I'm there as well and I can't say a word in that. There's absolutely no yeah. way I'm going yeah. in with, well, you shouldn't do that. You know, that yeah, it was not appropriate. And I would never embarrass Agreed. Jack like yeah. that. Yeah. But this was one of the times when he did step in and go, oh, well, uh, like Tal and I always, you know, we just try and do like our three meals a day, <laughs> you know, just oh, amazing. try and eat good, good on him. He's really good at like sensing, like I'm... I was just tensing like my body was just tensing up (laughs) and he just felt my tension and was like she can't say anything I will just say something gentle to offer that but there are situations where it's like I'm not gonna screw it up with his like you know the directors of his company that's yeah, not of gonna course. Go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, and that's I a think it's important to experience. like gauge, yeah, and and to gauge the situation and your level of comfort with like how comfortable do I feel doing that? It's so important, yeah. And I think, I think that Dave's like that as well, like because in the moment. So, like, my little sisters have had um, tr- trouble with eating and uh, you know being unhappy with their weight, and they've expressed it, you know, in a in a setting where all my family are there and 
you know, later on, Dave's taken them to one side and said, you know, I'd love to help you with like nutrition. You know, we could get some like learn about mac- macronutrients and learn about, you know, the cornerstones mm. of your diet and stuff like that. So I, I just think it's 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 down to everyone individually, like how comfortable they feel and like what works for them. And also, yeah, to remember to remember, like, and I think this is important for us as well, because like to remember that we're not perfect and we don't have to like you know we might not always handle something in the perfect way and I think you know I don't know if you're the same but like I'm a proper perfectionist and like things Mm. really bother me and it's it's so I think it's so like liberating to like become comfortable with like the gray area where it's like things are not you know you didn't handle that so well but that's okay and you're human and you'll do it better next time and um but yeah exactly. I, I think I think as well I, I always think as well that we're British right and we find yeah. it uncomfortable we're so polite and we find it really hard to be like oh no actually I don't agree with that that's not right you know I find it yeah I'm like I haven't been brought up to do that I find it hard totally and I think as well it, it it really depends on the, the dynamic of the situation and I'm really assessing like who's here and who am I speaking to right now like um it, it can be really tough and even with my own family sometimes I just am at the point where I'm like um you know this is a really boring conversation let's change the let's change the conversation I have said yeah. that like yeah. I was like let's talk about something else because I just don't think this is a helpful conversation for us I can have I can be more blunt in that situation but when you take it to a professional situation you know whatever it really is different in each scenario and I think you're right like you just you don't get it right and then you learn for the next time and that's how humans we always improve at things by making mistakes so I I don't think this I this pressure of like must get it right first time is is fair Yeah. And I think this is also this becomes different as well when we talk about. So like, you know, right now we're talking about people who just like talk about diet culture in in Mm. front of you. But if someone's actually commenting on your body, I think that's a different story. And that's where I absolutely step in and say, you know, oh, I I prefer if you didn't comment on my body. Like I feel super comfortable doing that because I find that to be like absolutely not acceptable and nobody should be you know, receiving unsolicited comments on their bodies. Um, so I think that you absolutely stand up for yourself in that case and set your boundaries because it's just not on. And it's so unhelpful. It's in no way helpful at all. So, yeah, I think that that is super important. And I would like like to embolden anyone who's listening, you know, to stand up for yourself in those situations because it's totally unacceptable. What kind of things would you say in that scenario? You know, do you have any like go-tos that you recommend people to try? So I think, and and for people who do feel extremely uncomfortable with confrontation, don't want to say anything in the moment, I think afterwards you're totally, it's absolutely fine. You're totally within your right to send a message and just say, Mm. look, I felt really uncomfortable when you, when you said that about, you know, insert comment about my body um I would prefer if we didn't talk about my body I'm you know it's my business and my business only and set your boundary and have that Mm. as you know because I think as well like the older generations are really (laughs) they're quite flippant when it comes to commenting on on our bodies um 
or you know just say that it really triggers me or I'm on a I'm on a journey to of I'm on a journey of body confidence and and uh getting rid of dieting from my life and I would prefer if we didn't talk about those subjects or we didn't talk about body or weight or shape I think that's the hard part sometimes like you know we think about um you know Brené Brown talks about like the power of vulnerability and how being vulnerable and I think the British side of us doesn't necessarily want to communicate that like look I've been going through something I think even admitting that we've maybe having an eating disorder have a difficult relationship with our bodies are struggling with these things I think is a big step and it it can be hard and maybe even in the moment that's hard to acknowledge and communicate but communicating it is so powerful and especially with the people really powerful life to say like look this is what I'm going through this is how I'm feeling. This is, you know, it, it's really helpful when we talk about things. But I recognize that those are really hard conversations to have because we don't learn how to have those conversations. We're not exactly. We're, not We're never taught. That thing. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It can be really, really difficult. And I think, and, and like, like you said, like, um, you know, people often say, my my colleagues at work, they just talk about dieting all day long, and it really, you know, it. Uh, I don't know if triggers me is the right word, but it definitely, you know, brings me back to those feelings and back to that, you know, mm. that that desire to diet again. And I think that there is nothing wrong with saying like, look guys, I'm, you know, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going through. Like, I'd really appreciate it if we could, you know, keep the diet talk to a minimum or leave me out of the diet talk. Um, I don't think that, I think there's there's power in that. Like you said, there's power in like opening up and and, putting your boundaries you know setting your boundaries I do think to it to you know I do think that we have to build an armor as well to diet culture because we're never going to be able to fully eliminate it from our lives it's always going to be there it's it's so pervasive and it's so inbuilt in our society that we we do have to build our own armor to diet culture and you know build the ability to, to shield ourselves from it as well but I think where you can help yourself is will be like massively helpful to to you in your journey absolutely I think that's you know how we said before about watching shows and being able to watch a show and objectively go well that's wrong and that's about phobic and that's exactly exactly and going like and I don't have to absorb that like I don't have to absorb that so you might choose not to watch it but you can equally watch it and go I can see it for what it is and I agree with it and I'm you know working on changing things that are within my power but it is what it is exactly that scenario we don't have to internalize that message we can see it for what it is and then discard it exactly exactly and I think it makes navigating this world a bit easier (laughs) it does (laughs) it does yeah absolutely if you can make peace with it for sure Mm. yeah make peace with the fact that there is just you know diet culture is ubiquitous and we just have to live with it and let it go but I think I think identifying it is super super important and that's why when anyone you know says that they're on this journey to you know they want to feel better within their bodies and they want to finally get rid of dieting for good I I think it's super important to like arm yourself with as much knowledge as possible and almost immerse yourself in like research around diet culture and anti-diet resources and there is a wealth of them like we we're it's we're lucky that we've got access Mm. to so much um, information around it because I think 
the more you do that, the more knowledge you have, the more you're able to identify it, the more you're able to um, see it for what it is and allow yourself not to internalize those messages, which in turn means that you can change the way you change your belief system, you know, change what you believe, believe around your body and other people's bodies as well. Do you feel like um, in your own experience of recovery, do you mm. feel that that diet culture piece was and, and the fat phobia piece were were really integral to, you know, getting to that, getting to full recovery? Absolutely. I think it was one of the I, I honestly think that was one of the main um factors that we debunked that, that genuinely helped me in recovery and it was one of the first things we did in, in CBT I was really lucky that I had access to therapy um, when I was recovering from anorexia and I had this I had this belief and I believed it with my entire being that in order to be loved worthy successful desirable that I had to be thin mm. and, and I think a lot of it came as after I was always I was always a chubby teenager a chubby child and teenager and I started dieting when I was like 12 and I went to like did every diet under the sun I, I joined every diet club you can imagine and learned loads of tricks at those diet clubs that would eventually you know be very useful to me in my eating disorder so mm. but that's another another story but um god I've lost my train of thought now where was I <laughs> I went to dieting about went to the um, diet clubs the diet clubs but how understanding diet culture and fat phobia yes yes exactly so I had this this just like all-consuming belief that if I was to get if I was to achieve thinness, that things would be better in my life. Like everything would slot into place and everything would be better. And I would finally be the, the person that I was supposed to be. And that was the trouble then with the anorexia is that I was getting thinner and thinner and I still wasn't achieving those things or finding those things. And which is, which is what happens for a lot of people. You know, we think that being thin is like the pinnacle and that will be it that's your you know your magic one like your key to success and to be loved and to find a partner and you know blah 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 and it's just not true and it's just not the case at all and I think having someone guide me through that and learn that like being thin you know being thin wasn't the be all and end all and that wasn't what was going to provide me with genuine fulfillment and contentment was just really, really powerful. Um, and learn, yeah, learning about diet culture as well. I kind of did that on my own though. I started to, you know, my therapist would like question all these beliefs about, you know, why do you think you need to be thin? And, you know, why is it bad if you put on a certain amount of weight and da da da? Um, and then I started to learn about, about diet culture. Um, and yeah, I just, I sort of, I got, I got angry at like, how much of my life had been so entrenched in diet culture and you know just yeah consumed by it I got angry for myself and then for the other women as well who you know just live their lives as chronic dieters you know flipping from one diet to the next and with <laughs> varying levels of success but generally not you know not very good success levels because of the diet not because of them but because 
because of the diet so yeah in short yes <laughs> it was like it was really helpful to learn about diet culture culture and that really helped in my recovery it wasn't the only thing you know it's mm. still when I learned about diet culture I still was suffering from an eating disorder and it took me a long time to actually kick my eating disorder to the curb for once and for all it really was a long 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 process and long and arduous like I can't tell you the amount of times that I like just cried and thought I can't do this um but it was all worth it it, it really was. And I don't want to, yeah, I, I always struggle with this because I don't want to be discouraging to anyone who's going through an eating disorder because it is single-handedly like the hardest thing that I've been through, but also the best thing that I've ever done for myself because I, it's the most freeing and liberating thing. And it's made me a like an unbelievable, like, like so much stronger. Like, and I feel like I really know myself now and I've just mm. got a much better sense of self and sense of worth and value so it's the best thing that you can do for yourself but it is it's difficult it's hard it is difficult and I and I think there might be an expectation that a recovery is a quick turnaround and it's a quick like I'm just not going to do this anymore and yeah that yeah is so far yeah. from what it is and it's literally making a choice every single day to like you say choose your freedom choose your happiness yeah build on that every day and uh, you know with each challenge of around even if it's around food or movement or whatever it is like it can it can be hard and yeah I I, I really appreciate you sharing the realities of it you know but I, th I think it's really important because the only like the depiction of eating disorders in the media is girl thin so, so white girl gets really sick with anorexia and she's super super thin and then she gets recovery she, she gets help and then she recovers and it's absolutely not the case like I and also eating disorders can, can morph into different eating disorders mm. you know I was embarrassed that I had you know initially anorexia which then became bulimia which then became binge eating disorder and I was embarrassed I was like oh you know I'm just clearly a greedy person like now I'm you know I've got three eating disorders under my belt like you know but it's actually so common but it just doesn't really get talked about and I felt like living in a a, a bigger body than I had done with anorexia I felt too embarrassed to admit that I was actually suffering from another eating disorder now because I believe that only you know I had to be a certain weight or I had to be a certain number on the BMI to be worthy of help with my eating disorder and so yeah I think it's really important that like we understand the realities of eating disorders and yeah the the, the process that it, you know the whole recovery isn't linear like that phrase couldn't be more true it's so 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 true but I think what's important as well sorry I can I, I ramble no. a lot <laughs> so do I <laughs> my brain it like fires like it goes from like one thing to the other way too quickly but <laughs> listeners of this podcast know that I am all I've got many thoughts and I have to get them all out so please continue I know I know sometimes I can't keep up with myself honestly like <laughs> that's why I overthink everything as well oh my god what was I saying see I've lost my train of thought now where were we Recovery um, isn't linear. Recovery isn't linear, yes. And I wanted to say that, um, you know, th those times where I used to have, like, I would, you know, the relapses, um, which I like to call lapses. And I think 
I would think that that was the end of the world because I'm a very black and white thinker, all or nothing. Mm. So if I relapsed and had a lapse, I would be like, well, that's it, I'm done, I'm back at square one. But actually like those moments where you fall back are the moments where you make the most progress, where you um, gather the most tools and the most, you know, all the coping mechanisms that are gonna eventually lead you to a place where you're fully recovered. Mm. So those, those moments are really, really important. And I think that's really good to know so that you don't get discouraged by those moments because they're going to happen it's it's absolutely unrealistic to think that you're gonna uh you know get some therapy or you know have decide to get better and get better it doesn't happen like that you go up and down but the the down bits are where you really make the most progress so those bits are good and I think if you can reframe that in your head it's like they they're positive and I need those in order to fully get better yeah, this is a learning moment and yeah. I'm going to learn from this. You know, as we, and I don't want to say that, uh, uh, you know, a relapse or lapse in recovery is a, is a mistake as such. But you know how we said before, like you, yeah. you learn from how you deal with things. You learn totally. that and you're like, oh, OK, this is a sign. And it's the same way that when we, we've had this conversation on the podcast before, that when you do like go online and you're seeing content and you're like, oh, this is really making me feel a certain way that's that is a red flag of like ah there's that I need to work a bit more on this thing right this is clearly you know this is like this is a bit I need to invest more time in I I need to um yeah to 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 work on that and you know whether that be one thing I did want to talk with with you about today and I, I I think you know um with this conversation as well is you and I are both um straight-sized white women who yeah talk about these topics and I think we both recognize our privilege in in that context of like okay I understand how this is this is much harder for those who are more marginalized um Mm. and I think especially last year there was like a real discussion around body positivity and the place of you know you and I are we speaking Mm. over people are we speaking for people you know we shouldn't be doing that and we had um I I did an episode with Rafaela Mancuso on the podcast about this to to really get her perspective on things um and I just wondered and and I feel Mm. like when I look at your content I see someone who's really growing and learning about these things and very open and willing to to listen and, and and figure out their place respectfully in this discourse so I just wondered what your thoughts were about that uh, and how it has been to acknowledge that that privilege yeah this is this is a difficult one and I am I'm really trying with this area but it's something that I definitely grapple with a lot because yeah like you said I am straight size and I'm white and I definitely have thin privilege and I think that often makes me feel uncomfortable talking about fat phobia and weight stigma, for example, because I've I've never experienced it. And I've listened to people who have, and I really do my best to put myself in their shoes and, you know, try and understand their experience. But the truth is that I don't understand and I never have done. So I've really struggled with this and I've ended up kind of, I've ended up coming to this conclusion where I think about it like this. So I have two options I you know I don't realize that I I fully understand and I stop talking about these issues or I use my privilege privilege to leverage these conversations and help 
help bring them to the forefront and help provide a platform that, you know, for those who are marginalized um, and who, you know, do, you know, suffer with oppression. So that's where I'm at. But, you know, I'm, I'm aware that I am, you know, not marginalized for how I look and I really do have a lot of privilege and, and I'm like open and willing to learn more in this area and, you know, yeah, and, and open this conversation further and listen to people who I can really learn from um, and also take criticism as well with what I'm doing because, yeah, but then it, it's, it's, it's tricky as well because, you know, I do, on the other hand, believe that I have I do have a lot to add to the conversation of body image um, and eating disorder recovery. And I also believe that I do help women, you know, help some women feel better about their bodies. So, yeah, as you can probably tell, it's something that I totally, you know, I, I do find uncomfortable even to talk about. And it's something that I find mm. difficult to reconcile in my own head. But that's where I am. I feel like if we have privilege, we should use it to leverage um those conversations and people who are are you know more marginalized than us uh, yeah I agree with you I think there's a there's a fine balance and I I think um I make a conscious decision not to label myself in any way body positive I really want to like make sure that space is occupied by the people it was created by and so I'm I'm conscious of that. However, I do believe that I can, you know, put my energies and efforts towards helping people in a sense. And whether that is having these kinds of conversations on podcasts, you know, with my guests, I really try to highlight all sorts of experiences because I think, you know, that's an opportunity I have with this platform to hear yeah. from other people. But at the same time, yeah. I do believe that we could all learn from each other's experiences and some people are going to resonate with others more with some people more than others and I right. really respect and totally get if you do not resonate with my message because of certain levels of my privileges right exactly yeah and yeah. you know there are certain things that are, don't resonate with me from other people's experiences and I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect anyone to cater to everyone in that sense Yes, I, I yes, think that's I like an that. unfair expectation to put to to put on people, and and I do think that happens a lot on social media. That well, you're not helping me, so you can't be helping anyone. I think is is unfair, and yeah. I have been guilty of thinking that about other things in the past. I think that I've really learned that like that's unfair, and I think everyone has a right to tell their story and speak their truth. Right, but with that we need to be acknowledging the privilege we need to be understanding how our what our privileges mean for our experiences and educating ourselves on that but also yeah. elevating and listening to those who like we say are more marginalized um yeah and it's a fine line it's like a, it's a bit of a balancing act I think and I, I don't know if I'm right even I'm sure people will be critical of of that but yeah I I, I kind tricky. of I don't like the idea that people aren't allowed to tell their story I think that's right yeah I, I don't like that I really want everyone to be able to to speak their truth and especially on social media everyone has their own page 
and you don't have to consume it you don't have to go on there you don't have to do it but I do think I think within this discussion I think it's the fact that we know within say body positive spaces we know that those people who are being touted as the leaders of this or you know as the, the the biggest voices in this area are often people yeah. who hold the most privilege and totally. that's not fair yeah yeah and, for sure and so we've got to work to build everyone up exactly yeah and it's it's so true it has been totally co-opted that movement mm. that movement that was started for people who were like pushed to the margins of society for the way they look mm. and it's now like if you look at the body positivity hashtag on instagram it's just full of thin white woman uh, mm. white women um so yeah and I think that it really is a it, it really is a shame that that's happened and I think that a lot of brands have kind of jumped on the on the bandwagon as well and done it in a in a in a not great way where they haven't yeah. been in, haven't really been exclusive it's been very token mm. um so yeah I think it's important as well to yeah educate on the roots of it Mm. and like why it was so it was so like life-saving that movement for so many people like just to provide a safe space where they did not have a safe space um so I do think it is a real shame that it's happened and I know that I've played a part in that as well yeah. because I didn't understand it at first I didn't understand mm. the roots of it I didn't know its origins and I just thought this is fantastic you know like I felt bad about my body my whole life and this is an opportunity for me to you know feel better and practice something that society has always told me you know is you know the, the opposite of what society has always told me and so I didn't realize so I've had a part to play in that as well but yeah I think we just have to yeah like you said elevate those now who who still need that safe space mm -hmm. and, and and need a platform and and start to um sort of show our audiences all different kinds of bodies not just our bodies you know yeah. bodies that hold privilege but show them all different kinds of bodies and help to show them the beauty in all different kinds of bodies mm. I think that's really important as well book recommendation for people listening I don't know if you've read yeah. it but Stephanie Yeboah's book Fatally Ever After yes brilliant so great to really like bring it to like 2021 or 2020 really when it came out but it's yeah. so up to date in terms of the politics of all this and totally we had Stephanie on the podcast so I will um, recommend people to go back and listen to that episode with her because we got into this in that episode as well she's so brilliant and her stories and perspective are so it's so necessary and should be required reading if you're interested in body positivity that should be like on the requirement reading list in my opinion yeah absolutely 100 percent right, sharing Alex. the black body is really good as well but sorry yes 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 yes, yes. <laughs> sharing the black body by sabrina strings yes the other book um my so i want to um finish this by asking you as we ask everyone on the podcast what has been your most recent train happy moment so I recently got and I'm still like buzzing about this and so excited so I I have not done exercise since since the beginning of COVID right because mm -hmm. I used to do like f45 classes and um like 
<clears throat> boxing classes or I, I'm just a, I'm very much like a class person mm. like I can't do it at home I've got this mental block and sometimes I'd watch your videos and I actually love watching your dancing videos because I find them like really therapeutic to watch <laughs> <laughs> and every time I'd be like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it and then I just couldn't bring myself to I've just got this block against doing anything in the house it just doesn't work for me so I've started um I've started boxing again Yay. in the in the park um, with this ex ex pro boxer who's amazing called Ashley Theophane, um, and it's just been like the best thing ever. And I'm just I get so excited to do it, and I get so like I'm um, just this one hour where I don't think about anything else everything else just go melts away and it's just mm. I've got to concentrate on like hitting these these pads um, and it's like the best yeah it's just like it's like therapy it's so good oh I love that and I totally get the block I get the block I should just say like unless it's partly my job to work out at home I get the block do you I'm also counting down the days till the gym's open and I can go back to teaching classes and doing that because I really find that when you work at home and you live there yeah you I don't know mentally I need somewhere to go and totally the things I enjoy doing are not like home friendly like I really enjoy spin and stuff and I just can't wait to get back on a bike I haven't been on a bike in six months and I can't wait um and I've noticed and I just want to say I don't know if you've noticed this but um at the point of recording this we've moved back into a renovated flat and I've been moving yesterday I was moving everything back into the kitchen I was on my feet all day from like 8 a.m to 8 p.m <laughs> barely sat down I was in agony my <laughs> legs my feet hurt my legs were so tired and I just thought like when I used to work in retail as a student like this was oh my god yeah you know, I used to be on my feet all day long and it was no biggie yeah. and I just thought it's so interesting and I just kept kind of laughing about it with um Jack being like you know, I used to just be on my feet all the time. As a personal trainer, you're on your feet all the time. You're not sitting down, you're working with people. I've sat down so much this year and I don't mind I that, but I'm really realizing that like, oh, I've, there's certain like staminas, like basic staminas that I want to build up now, which is literally being able to just be on my feet. Um, and not yeah, feel like my, oh my legs God. were throbbing, but I honestly, I was in bed, like <laughs> oh, my legs are throbbing. I'm exhausted. I'm so exhausted. And I literally just been putting things away in the kitchen all day. That just goes to show. I imagine. It can be all sorts of things. And totally. The kitchen is movement. Mind you, I do remember doing doing retail, which I hated. I was never very good at it. Oh, I loved because, it. Because I couldn't stay on my feet. Yeah. Honestly, like halfway through the day, I'm like, my feet, oh my God, my feet are hurting already. <laughs> so I don't think I've, I've ever been really good at like staying on my feet. But um, yeah, I totally noticed like, mm. and even boxing now, it's like, I'm just, my, my fitness level has dropped so dramatically. Um, but it's quite nice because I can build it back up again. So it's quite exciting. Yeah, it just feels like I think a lot of people have this expectation, especially on fitness professionals. But, oh, you must have been like, you know, being mega fit, superhuman people. And you're like, no, I get really tired from doing the same mundane tasks that you do. Like, yeah, I'm not yeah. any different. I'm a very human person. And it's normal to have lost fitness during this past year. Like, that's a very normal experience and expected. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you can just see it as like a like fun little challenge. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited. I'm like, oh, I'm excited to like, I know how I know it's going to be difficult but I'm excited for when it feels things feel easier again yeah yeah for sure 
Alex, this has been such a pleasure having you on. Oh, I'd love so good. I've loved it. I would love um you to just tell everyone where they can find you, support your work, and and yeah, keep up with what you're doing. Yes, so I am on Instagram at alexlight underscore LDN, which stands for London, not licensed dietitian nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a bit of confusion around that. It stands for London. <laughs> um and yeah, so and I've got a podcast as well called The Light Show, which is coming out soon. And that I'm hoping to get to rope you into. <laughs> yes, I would love to. Yes, um, definitely go check out. You've already got a series out, haven't you, as well? Yes, yes, one series out, and I'm doing series two now. I will link that below in the show notes for everyone. Oh, thank you. Thank you. you. It's been a pleasure. I love your work. I love everything you're about. And it's just been so great to finally connect. Oh, same. I love yours too. So it's been fantastic. Thank you so much. And that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please let me know by sending feedback. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. Or even better, it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening, as it really, really helps to support and boost the train happy message. And remember, if you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. And it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.